I, I'm really excited about next week because next week we are doing something that is very different in a church, but we, we spent a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. We, we started this series back in January, so it's been six months. I mean, we, we've taken weeks off now and then for different things around Easter and, and so on, but uh, next week is kind of like the culmination of that. We are going to have the leaders uh, of the church up here, and it's just going to be a Q&A. We're just going to have questions and answers. Anything that people have questions about, um, you know, that's, that's the time to ask. So uh, today we'll do a little bit of review and, and get into the last of the gifts of the Spirit, which is discerning the spirits. I am going to ask you for a little bit of latitude this morning as we start. Uh, I... Because I'm, I'm thinking of next week and us being up here, and I'm saying, let's do a what if. What if we could just have God up here? And we could ask him any questions that we wanted to ask God. And of course, respectfully, because sometimes we have questions about the Bible, and I really don't think God minds us asking questions, that, things that we don't understand. So I, I thought of a couple of questions that somebody might ask. Something like this. So Luke 14:12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So the question to God might be, what are these greater works? I mean, when Jesus was on this earth, he rose people from the dead. He raised, them, raised himself from the dead. He healed constantly. You know, he, he you know, did a lot of the things that uh, I'd love to be able to do. You know. But my question would be, we don't necessarily see all of these things happening in, in our churches. How come? You know, what's going on? Or here's another question that somebody might ask. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. And Lord, I would say, well, I don't always see people healed of their diseases. And you say you heal all of your diseases. Okay, so, so those are questions that might be given to, to God. And, and I was thinking of when Jesus was on the earth, people did ask him questions. And how did Jesus answer questions when he was on this earth? A lot of times he would answer a question by asking a question. Okay, so maybe God would start asking us some questions then. You know, in relationship to those questions that I just asked. For example, God might say, well, I, I told you that you should be desiring spiritual gifts. When I left this earth to go into heaven, I sent the Holy Spirit. And when I sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was full of gifts. Have you been desiring those gifts? Have you been praying for those gifts? 
The word says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and that door will be opened to you. And anything that you ask for in prayer, you will receive. So, I think what God is saying here is, I've supplied all the things that you need, but you need to access those things. The Word is is, uh, saying that over and over. Uh, He says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that you may pro- your progress may be evident to all. You see, God sent His Holy Spirit to supply a lot of the things. That could be some of the answers that Jesus gives. Of course, the thing with healing, there's a lot of answers that God could give in relationship to that. And obviously, you know, whatever they are, that's what the right answers are. But, you know, we're doing all this, all these things on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I think uh, some of the answers to questions that we may have are involved with us receiving those gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has supplied, but we aren't necessarily accessing. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll get started on this. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you did send us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we want to do whatever you have asked us to do. Help us to stay in your word, Lord, so that as we do and as we see the things that you direct us in, Lord, that we don't leave these things aside, that we don't um, be lazy in these things and not uh, doing the things that you have asked us to do. And as we do, Lord God, that we would be able to uh, access a lot of these gifts so that they would, we would be able to minister to so many other people uh, in, in, in our lives, Lord God, and bring many to you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. So, the teacher in me says that if we're going to finish up all of this on the Holy Spirit, that we should start by reviewing, right? (laughs) Yeah, we we need to go over some of the things that we've talked about since January so that we know kind of where we are and where we're going with this. And it might be some reminders of questions that we might have for next week. So we didn't start with talking of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We started with talking about the Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit desires to have a relationship with us. Really, you know, a very, very strong desire to have that uh, constant relationship with us. The Word says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. All right? It's so important to know the truth, to be able to distinguish what things we're supposed to be doing or not doing, what things we're supposed to believe and not believe. Because remember, what the world is going to uh, tell us things that the world believes is the correct way and the correct you know, way of doing things. It's not necessarily God's way. But the Holy Spirit would lead us into the truth so we would know that. Okay? It helps us in our weaknesses, especially, 
especially in praying. A lot of times we don't know how to pray for something. We're not sure. What should we say, Lord? You know, how do we pray for ourselves, different things in our life, or different people around us? How do we pray for the unsaved in our families? You know, different things like that. Okay, and the Holy Spirit helps us in that and helps us uh, in, in his weaknesses and our weaknesses in that and will um, intercede for us. So if we're praying to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in heaven and interceding uh, for us. The Holy Spirit was really important in the life of Jesus. Okay, it says right in the book of Luke, chapter 4, it says, first, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he returned from the Jordan and then was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That was the time when he was uh, going into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. So he was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. And then 40 days later, he comes out of the wilderness, and now he walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. That same power we have. Okay, that's the same power that came on Pentecost. When the apostles, who were hiding in, a, in the upper room, along with many of, of the other disciples, okay, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them all right, with, the, with the Holy Spirit. And then that same day, Peter very boldly leads about 2,000 people to the Lord. Okay? So he goes from hiding and to leading people to the Lord uh, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can see what that power of the Holy Spirit means to us. It's really uh, and very, very important. Okay? So when, when we finish talking about the Holy Spirit, it was weeks down the road, then we kind of got into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the first one uh, that we talked about was the word of wisdom. Okay, and all of the, a lot of the gifts say, begin with the word of. We have to associate back to the word coming from the word of God. The word of God is living and active. Okay, the word of wisdom, same thing, living and active. Uh, by definition, it's seeing life from God's perspective. All right, and there's a lot of different ways of looking at life. And when you look at it from God's perspective, it's very different than looking at life from the perspective of the world. Okay, the perspective of the world basically is, you know, what can we do to enjoy life day after day after day? Nothing wrong with that, but that's not necessarily God's perspective. Okay, because God's a soul winner. He wants us to, to be winning souls, to be bringing people to the Lord, and he wants us to have a relationship constant relationship with him. The next was the word of knowledge. Okay, a supernatural insight or revelation of information previously unknown to someone. Okay, you're basically seeing into the spiritual world with the word of knowledge. Okay, God's giving you some insight into something that you normally could not know. Okay, so God... You know, the Holy Spirit can give you that. It's, it's really important when you're ministering to other people. And you can see uh, what their um, perspectives are in life. You know, what, what's behind 
what's they're saying, what's deep down underneath. Uh, when you're ministering to people, if if you can't see those things, it makes it very, very difficult because you're giving advice based on maybe what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears, but there's no spiritual insight. Then there's the gift of faith, confidence that what one hopes for will actually happen. Okay, It's the assurance of the unseen. Now, we all have faith. All right, We wouldn't be here if we didn't have faith. But the gift of faith goes a little bit beyond, beyond that in the sense that now uh, that you, you're hoping for something and you, you believe that that will actually happen. There's just not a doubt in your mind, although you can't see it right now. Then the next was the gift of prophecy. Okay? And that's the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to the church. Okay, so um, I, we hear, when you read Old Testament, you see a lot of Old Testament prophets, prophets and, and, and the prophets, they hear, hear from God and they deliver that, especially to Israel. There was a lot of prophecy there. Okay, prophecy is still for today, although you don't hear it a whole lot, all right, but there, there, are, uh, there is prophecy that uh, God gives to people, if you're open to that, and then we'll ask that person to deliver it to a, a body of believers or to a, another person. Then we went on to the gifts of tongues. Uh, we gave uh, Jay a rest during this time, and uh, Tim came in, and he did this uh, uh, actually a wonderful uh, idea of what tongues really is and the interpretation of tongues uh, with that. Of course, Tim gave the whole message in tongues, and nobody understood a word he said. But he promised me the next, next time he preaches, it will be in English. But it really was. It was, it, it was, a, it was a very good message. And uh, if, if you haven't missed that message, a good one to get online and, and to, to hear about it, because he was, he was very clear about it. And the last is the discerning of spirits. And I told Jay, uh, we were at an elders meeting about a week and a half ago because we missed this week. And I said to Jay, I said, you know, I said, I'm struggling with this one because I don't really flow in discerning the spirits. It's not a strength. I I have some discernment, but I've seen other people that, you know, can really discern, you know, what different, what people are saying and stuff like that. And of course, you know, who's very compassionate? And he said to me, doesn't God have a sense of humor? <laughs> so there it is. You know, uh, we'll, do what, we'll do what we can do here with this one. But it's a gift that I'm definitely praying for. Okay, so Ephesians 6.12 says, We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities. Okay, we're, we're dealing with... Uh, the heavenly realm, the spirits, we're constantly um, being spoken to by various spirits. Sometimes by the Holy Spirit, actually many times by the Holy Spirit, not that we always hear it, but the Holy Spirit is speaking, but sometimes it's demonic spirits. All right, We have to be able to distinguish between the spirits and there's also the flesh. Okay, because that will speak to us too. We have to be able to tell the difference. Is it the Holy Spirit? 
Is the demonic spirit? Is the flesh that, that's speaking to us? And if we can't distinguish, then we're following. We, we you know, we're not really sure if we're following what God really wants us uh, to, uh, to to be able to do. Even Jesus um, followed and, and needed the holy the Holy Spirit. Uh, he says in First uh, John four one, it says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God." He encourages us, all right, to test, to always test the spirits and see, you know, who we're listening to. So um, we can, uh, if we are able to do this, then we are able to encourage other people to edify. And to and to love, the Holy Spirit makes things known that cannot be perceived by natural means. So that's basically the definition of the uh, discerning of the of the spirits. I think the best way to to look at discerning the spirits is to see different examples in Scripture. So we're going to go through uh, some uh, in the New Testament and. Jesus being the first one, as I said a minute ago. Let's go to John 1, 47, if you want to. And if you don't want to, I'll just read it to you. Just a couple of verses. But this is when Jesus sees Nathanael. This is in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he sees Nathanael. Now, he's never met Nathanael before, before this point. And it says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. So Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So how does Jesus know that? Nathaniel is a man that has no deceit within his heart. And that's the discernment of the Spirit that God, that God gave to him. God gave it to many of the apostles. And let's look at uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 20. And we're going to talk about a little bit about Peter. The apostles uh, heard that people in Samaria were starting to come to the Lord. You have to remember, Samaria was separate from uh, the community of Israel. So uh, when they started coming to the Lord, Peter and John uh, came into Samaria. And uh, they were laying hands on people and praying for them. And it says in verse 18... When this man, Simon, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Now, it doesn't say what Simon saw. Uh, I'm assuming that because the uh, apostles had laid hands on people, that they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that outward sign would have been speaking in tongues. And because they were beginning to speak in tongues, and, you know, in a foreign language, Simon said, but, hey, I want to be able to do this too. If I can just lay hands on people and, and get them to speak. Because he had been a sorcerer and had been uh, 
doing these so-called miracles to people, and he had become a great person, so he wanted to continue being that great person. So then saying, it says, verse 19, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Now, verse 23 is the the discernment that he gets. He says, For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity, by sin. Okay? So, how does he know? How does Peter know that he is poisoned by bitterness? Because even the actions that happened here uh, don't necessarily say that he was bitter. It, It said that he was greedy you know, and wanted to continue being very, very famous. But the bitterness is a discernment that he was able to see into his heart and see that what he really had was was bitterness, okay? And that really helped Simon out because then he that was exposed and he, he was asking for forgiveness for that. Let's go to, uh, in the same book, Acts, go to 14. We'll see another apostle, Paul, with that... Same gift, Uh, 14, verse 8. And it says, In Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. Okay? There's a miracle that occurs here, but look at what Paul sees. Paul sees that he had faith to be healed. That was discernment. Okay? Um, you know, if, if I don't have that discernment, and somebody in here, you know, is a cripple, and I look at them, and God would have to give me the discernment to know whether, that, whether you really have the faith to be healed or not. And if, if I don't receive that, then I'm guessing, you know, whether or not you really have faith to be healed. But he could see that, that it was. Let's go to chapter 16. And verse 16. Now, Paul is traveling, as he had done many times, traveled into an area, and he's preaching. All right, and he's walking through the streets and he's preaching. And it says in verse 16, Now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, who brought his masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now you see how the devil works? I mean, this is a fortune-telling girl, all right? She's listening to the voice of demonic spirits. But she's saying something that's true. That these men 
okay, are, are uh, servants of the Most High, and they're proclaiming the way of salvation. So what's wrong with that? The problem here is that this girl is bothering. She's, she's annoying Paul. She's trying to distract Paul so, to the point where he's so annoyed that I'm not going to stay here and be around this girl and going to take off and go somewhere else. That's what the spirit wants, the demonic spirit. So Paul turns around and he drives the spirit out of her. Okay, which the people who owned her were pretty annoyed at because now she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. Okay, but you know this is the discernment that he had, knowing that this is the thing to do. He sees he sees what the what the demonic spirit is trying to do, which is to get rid of Paul out of the area, you know, and and, and get rid of him. Uh, one more. Let's go to Acts 27. And verse 9. Paul had been arrested and was now being taken to Jerusalem for trial. And he's on a ship with um, several hundred other men. Okay, and they're in very, very bad weather. He had told the captain of the ship not to set sail because God had showed him that this was not going to be a good voyage, that they were going to hit bad weather. But they didn't listen to Paul, obviously, and the captain of the ship wanted to get going, so uh, that's, that's what they wound up doing. So it says from verse 9, Now when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. So God had given him the discernment. He knew, all right, that uh, uh, this was not a good idea. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous head wind arose, called Euroclidon, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, and running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Syrtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship, And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard. So things are not going well. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, and here's the discernment that he was given, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and 
and loss. But now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So there's the, that discernment that uh, Paul has been given. And if you go on with the story, everybody is saved. They all wind up on this island in, in Crete and, uh, and then are able to leave from there um, months after that. The Old Testament has some examples of this. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Another interesting story of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. So let's, let's start with um, verse 8 in chapter 6. It says, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, that's Elijah, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Okay? So Elijah knew, he's telling the king of Israel, don't go past this place. That's where the king of Syria has all his men. You're going to get slaughtered there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once. Or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, who's the traitor? You know, how is Israel, the king of Israel, to know where we are hiding, where we're going to attack? And so he's going to find out that it's Elijah doing this. And one of his servants said, None, my lord. O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Okay? God's given him that discernment to know what the Syrian king is saying in his own bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servants said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Okay, so there's Elijah there, and he's surrounded by the Syrian army, who are very mad at him because he's the one giving away their secrets. So Elijah answers his servant, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. The Lord had set up his own army around to um, protect him. 
And as you go on with the story, he eventually leads the Syrian army, right? He blinds the Syrian army, and then he leads them right into the midst of the Israel camp, okay? So that they were actually surrounded by Israel. And then instead of slaughtering them, Elijah says, no, feed them. And the Syrian army, you know, becomes their friend and stops attacking Israel. God's so good, I'll tell you. It's unbelievable. Okay, we see in Revelation a couple of churches that were told that they were doing really, really well with the sermon, and, and there's another church that was not doing so well. So let's t- quickly look at those two. Revelation uh, chapter 2. And verse 2, and we're going to talk about the church at Ephesus. God says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Okay. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Okay. But um, if you go back uh, to the beginning, your, your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. Okay. They're discerning the difference between evil and good. And in that discernment, okay, God's saying that, that that's a good work. And then uh, Revelation 2.20 talks about the church at Thyatira. That's if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, in verse 20, that he chides them and says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And those are, um, that's a spirit that really exists today. It still exists in the church today. Okay, It's a spirit of manipulation. And uh, you, you see it sometimes even in leadership sometimes in churches. And you have to be able to recognize that when, when, uh, when it happens. Identify it for what it is. We really need to know God's word really well. Um, there is a, um, there's a discerning of spirits that we have just by the fact of knowing God's word. All right? the, the various things that have happened in our nation um, the spirit behind the abortion industry. Uh, if you ever talk to someone who is in favor of abortion and you, you start having the discussion about abortion, th- that person will get, usually get very, very angry with you. That's a spirit. I mean, that's not a normal thing. You, you can talk to people that you disagree with about various things. And when you're done with the discussion, you say, all right, maybe we just have to agree to disagree. And that's it. And, and you know, you walk away. There's no anger issues. But when you get into something that is spiritual, like abortion or like uh, uh, 
you know, marriages that are, are against God's will uh, within, uh, you know, the homosexual sphere. Those things, when you talk to people about that, there is an anger that just builds up, and that is a demonic spirit uh, leading that. So we, we really need to be able to recognize those things normally. So here are some things um, that recognizing the spiritual can help us out with. First of all, the discerning, it lifts the veil in the spiritual world. Okay? There are things that are happening within the spiritual world that we, our, our minds and hearts get open to so that we can identify them. Can be Holy Spirit, can be, uh, it can be a demonic spirit, can be the flesh. It enables us, discerning enables us to see as God sees. All right? How God looks at things, that's the way we can look at those things. It's going to protect us from being deceived. It's going to protect us from deception. Okay? We can be deceived. Right? The, the word's clear on that. All right? it's, it's, it's not impossible. All right? you'll, you'll see it in, in various places. Remember that Satan can appear as an angel of light. So sometimes if, if we're not aware of that, we could be listening to Satan instead of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because he can appear as the angel of light. In 1 Corinthians 12, where we see the gifts listed, the gift of discernment immediately follows prophecy. And the reason probably for that, that it follows one right after another, is that any time prophecy is given, needs to be discerned right away. Where is that prophecy coming from? Is it a God thing? Okay? Or is it not? And it, this is a responsibility of leadership in the church to be able to identify that. Because if it's not, prophecy can come from the wrong place, and if it is given from the wrong place and not discerned, then everybody walks out of church believing something that was not of God. It also can help lead us in diagnosing people's problems. You know, people, sometimes you can come up to us as leaders and say, you know, we're having a problem with this, but that's really not the, the main issue. The main issue is something deeper down that God can give you that discernment in, and it really helps out in that. It was last, last week we had to uh, uh, go up to Albany for my, grand, my grandson's uh, graduation from high school. We also got to see a, my other grandson's ball game. Uh, while we were up there, which was uh, really, you know, great to be able to, to, to see all of that. But, of course, we uh, were not here to go to church, so we went to church with my son, Matt, and his wife, Britt. And what was really neat is that their, their church flows in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And while I was sitting there, and I'm listening to, there was, there was some prophecy, there was some tongues, there was some interpretation of tongues, and I was saying, boy, I wish I could just take bridge builders really quick and just bring them and, and just sit them in the church so they can see, because these are all the things we've been talking about for the last six months, you know, and they're like, here it is in action, 
And we're going to see it here too, eventually. But it was just, it was nice to see it. Almost like confirmed all the things that, you know, we've been talking about for so long. Okay? Not that this is, Matt's church is a perfect church either. They have issues just like we have issues. Just like Kevin and Steph's church has issues. You know, every, we, we have issues that we have to deal with. But uh, it was just nice to see that, that flow in there. And it was done very, very well. It was done, you know, with discernment. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was talked a little bit about by the pastor afterwards and, and stuff. And uh, I, I, really, I really liked uh, what I'm seeing. Uh, Luke 11.9, and actually I might start a little bit before that, um, just to kind of bring this to a head. God has told us that he really wants us to not only receive the Holy Spirit, but take advantage of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to have this relationship with us. And as we develop this relationship, I think those gifts will flow. And I think God is just saying, ask. Just keep asking. See, it says here, uh, starting in uh, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, Will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, God just wants us to keep asking. Okay? And he actually, and this is going to sound funny, he wants us to pester him, to really be a pest. Let's just go to Luke 18. We're going to end here. Luke 18, right from the beginning, is a parable that Jesus gives. He says, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God, nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with him? I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? God wants us to pester him. And, you know, it, it, it sounds strange that, that he would encourage us to do this, but he gave a parable of this. And so we, we need to be just asking him constantly for these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have this such a relationship with the Holy Spirit 
that these gifts just begin to just flow out of us. All right? Again, be thinking about questions for next week, okay, because we really we want to have a good time answering questions. We may even have to look some things up. We're no experts. Anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every blessing, every blessing that you give us. We thank you especially right now for your gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all the gifts that you have available to us, Lord, that you want us to have. And, Lord, we pray that uh, as we speak to you day in and day out, that we learn how to pester you in prayer so that at some point in time, Lord, uh, in this body of believers, that we will have all the gifts of your Holy Spirit flowing. We thank you, we praise you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.